Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. The battle is in the mind of the enemy, friends. That is a, uh, an ancient uh, piece of war advice. The battle is in the mind of the enemy. And this is something important for us to keep in mind as we enter into the home stretch for the midterm elections. We're going to talk about that and many other things tonight on Praying for America. We're not only just going to discuss the news, we're going to pray over the news. We want to pray over you as well. I'm Father Frank Pavone, Director of Priests for Life. Thanks for joining in on our program tonight. And leave your prayer intentions, if you would, in the uh, comments. You can also leave questions uh, that I will uh, be happy to answer as we go along in future programs. I have one that I'll uh, answer here tonight from one of the past programs. Uh, Really great to have your input and uh, see what you're thinking as well about these uh, about these things. Danger of third-party uh, voting, not that we want to deprive anybody of their freedom to vote the way that they feel they need to, but I want to just point out an important dynamic to consider as you uh, get ready to vote. Some of you may have voted already. And a few other things uh, that have come up in uh, the news, including some stuff about Supreme Court justices speaking out and so forth, and Hillary Clinton speaking out about something. We'll get to all these things. Let's go to our primary source first, the Word of God. And I want to go to Exodus, the, the end of chapter 14, the beginning of chapter 15, after God has freed his people from slavery in Egypt and drowned Pharaoh and his forces in the Red Sea, uh, we read these words, uh, chapter 14, verse uh, 31. When the Israelites saw the great power that the Lord had displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in his servant Moses. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he is gloriously triumphant. Horse and chariot he has cast into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, is majestic in power. Your right hand, O Lord, has shattered the enemy. Let us pray. Father, we have many enemies. Enemies of your kingdom. Enemies of your truth. Enemies of your gospel enemies of our religion and our freedom and our lives. Lord, we take refuge in you, just as our founding fathers did. And we ask you to reward that trust by displaying your mighty power just as you did of old. And Lord, display your power in these elections. Let it be such a convincing victory, not just a victory. Lord, not just a victory where we we squeak by by means of a handful of votes where we have nail-bitingly close elections. No, Lord, we want a convincing, decisive, overwhelming victory. Please, Lord, rouse the hearts of your people not to sit out the vote, not to 
find excuses uh, to, 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 to stay home. And Lord, not only to be not, not, not only to be content with casting their own vote, Lord, we ask that each and every one of your people among our American electorate tonight will see it as a mission to treat each and every day between now and through November 8th as election day, because voting is happening now. Millions and millions have already voted. Lord, each and every day now is election day. May we treat it with that same kind of urgency and get others to the polls and get others to the polls in an informed way. Give us wisdom, Lord God. Give us victory that is so convincing of a rejection of the radical ideology that we have been battling against. Bless and save America in this election. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, friends, let me get right to the main point of the the program here tonight. We need to be wise. We need to be smart about how we cast our vote. We need to look at all the implications of it all the implications. What, you know, what's the result going to be here? This is a choice of the people of God rising up and casting off the yoke of tyranny. That, 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 that's what this is uh, uh, about. We don't want tyranny. We want to be able to rule ourselves. And we want to be able to rule ourselves as Americans. We want to be able to rule ourselves by freely living our lives and casting our votes in accordance with our moral and religious beliefs. We want to raise our children without interference from the government or indoctrination by government-backed schools and school boards. We want all the things that we see being destroyed before our eyes by terrible policies and by people whose behavior, sometimes the only way to interpret it is that they really are against America. They're purporting to serve America, but they're against America. And so we have to look very pragmatically at the results of our vote. It's either going to be, in all these races up and down the ballot, whether it's the school boards or the Congress or the U.S. Senate, Either the Republican or the Democrat candidate is going to win these elections, and every vote is going to count to make sure that the victory is obtained. And yet we have, let me go to uh, one of these reports here from uh, my uh, friend uh, Gary Bauer, sends out an end-of-day update. I've talked to you about it before. He heads up something called American Values and sends out these very helpful end-of-day emails. So I was looking at this one about third-party independent and libertarian party candidates in several races, several key races. And these independent third party uh, candidates are polling three to five points. Now that's not obviously nowhere near enough for them to actually win, but it is enough to tip a close election. If those votes take enough votes away from the Republican conservative candidate and therefore end up leaving the Democrat candidate 
as the winner, what have these voters accomplished? Because as Gary points out here, let me just quote him, whatever issues libertarians and independents may have with candidates like Herschel Walker in Georgia, Mehmet Oz in Pennsylvania, Adam, Adam Laxalt in Nevada, Blake Masters in Arizona, whatever differences they may have with them, they pale in comparison. Those differences amount to nothing in comparison with their differences with the socialists and neo-Marxists like Raphael Warnock in Georgia and Mark Kelly in Arizona and Catherine Cortez Masto in Nevada and John Fetterman in Pennsylvania. You see the point? Why do you want to end up with something worse than something that you don't like? Don't take away the votes from something that you don't like just because you don't like it, only to leave you and your neighbors in a situation with something 10 times worse. What did you accomplish? What did you accomplish? See, now sometimes people are, are looking at this in the wrong way spiritually. Let's look at the spiritual moral perspective here for a moment. We can understand the math. We can understand the politics. But don't let spirituality and morality lead you off the track here either. I mean, a wrong conception of those things. Because some people say, well, I, you know, I feel more, more pure by voting for the one that I agree with more. So in other words, you're saying your vote is a philosophical declaration? Is that what your vote is? Friends, a vote is not an opinion poll. A vote is not a philosophical assessment of somebody. A vote is a transfer of power. You can make your philosophical assessments all year long, any day of the year, and you can make it as public as you want, starting with your social media accounts. You disagree with somebody, or you want to point out problems you have with somebody, even somebody you voted for, please go right ahead. That's part of what our American life is, is, is supposed to include. The right to speak out vigorously, passionately about any idea or against any person who holds the idea, that doesn't tear our country apart. That, 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 that's one of the good characteristics of our country. But, 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 but look at the pragmatic result. You're going to get these, these radicals in there who are going to continue destroying the country. And, you know, when it comes to morally and spiritually speaking, it's not an idea of, you know, oh, well, uh, 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 I feel more pure. I did what's more in accordance with my conscience. How can your conscience be okay with ending up letting people get in power? You could have stopped them from getting in power by voting for their opponent. But instead, if you vote for a third-party person, maybe you agree with them more. Okay, I can understand that. But if they're not going to be the ones to end up being in, in office and you end up with someone 10 times worse, isn't there a moral responsibility for that? If we're going to decide this on the basis of morality and spirituality, think of the morality of knowingly, it's not that you don't know this, knowingly opening the way or increasing the chances for one of these Marxists to uh, get into power. In, in reference to the candidates that Gary mentioned in his message, he makes a few specific comparisons in terms of the way these people vote. Warnock, for example, votes 93% of the time with Bernie Sanders, socialist. Cortez Masto votes with him 92% of the time. 
Kelly votes with him 91% of the time. Fetterman endorsed Sanders for president, and he's campaigning now with socialists. So it's like this stuff isn't a mystery. Okay, a couple, uh, couple of other points here. Hillary is at it again. Hillary has been speaking up. Yeah, she should really go back to, I don't know, whatever it is that she does when she's not in the public spotlight. But this uh, failed presidential candidate is urging her supporters now to pay attention to state legislative races. I'm going to say something more about that in a moment. But she's not talking about so much the outcome of the 2022 elections, but 2024. She's saying that we are planning to steal the 2024 elections. Hmm. Really? She should be talking about this kind of stuff? Really? She should be talking about this kind of stuff? With the kind of criticism that she and her friends have leveled against those who have election concerns? The state legislatures are, in fact, entrusted by the Constitution with setting the norms for how a state conducts an election. There should be no alarmism here about state legislatures being up to that task. It's critically important, as we've pointed out on this show before, whom we elect, not only to the state legislatures, but also to the people who carry out election policy, oversee the implementation of rules regarding the elections, people like the secretaries of state. Those are critically important races. The secretaries of state, make sure you know who it is if your state has this year an election of that office, who the person is and how they intend to carry out their duties. But you know, when it comes to the state legislatures, we made a lot of progress in 2020, and I think we're going to see uh, a continuation of this this wave in in uh, in, uh, 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 in just about a dozen days from now. If you look among state legislatures after the 2020 elections, how many were Republican, the legislators across the country on the state level, versus Democrat? 4,009. Republican legislators after the 2020 elections versus 3,317 who were Democrat. Republican control of legislative chambers went up to 61 majorities, 61 compared with 37 Democrat chambers. Now, most of the states, not all, have um, the... uh, bicameral legislatures that means you have a house and you have a senate so we're counting we're counting them that way whether it's a house or a senate 61 majorities um 61 of these bodies were majority republican versus only 37 uh that were democrat and again looking at it from another way um and i'm quoting by the way here from newt gingrich's book uh, beyond biden Republicans represent 54.3% of all state legislators. Democrats represent 44.93. So um, it's hard to see, first of all, how anyone would say that the the Republican Party has uh, an electoral problem in America. That was the 2020 election that we're just reading those statistics from. But I think that the... um, the results of this election, we'll watch it carefully, are going to bring uh, those majorities even higher 
uh, for the Republican candidates in the state legislatures. And that will bode well for election law. Remember, again, it's the state legislators, state legislatures that are entrusted by the Constitution itself with handling uh, election law in the states. There's been a lot of reforms. We've talked about that, too. In about 41 states, there's been over 100 measures passed to strengthen election integrity. Uh, that, too, is a trend that will continue. A third element here in the news, um, Justice Alito spoke out about the leak that took place. First time in American history, first time in Supreme Court history, a uh, Supreme Court decision being leaked to the public ahead of its official release. And that, of course, we're talking about the Dobbs decision overturning Roe v. Wade, and the leak turned out to be pretty accurate. It was incorporated into the official final decision. And uh, here's what Justice Alito said about this just the other day in a talk that he gave. It was a grave betrayal of trust by somebody, that is, to leak this document. And it was a shock because nothing like that had happened in the past. So it certainly changed the atmosphere at the court for the remainder of the last term. The leak also made those of us who were thought to be in the majority targets for assassination. Now, of course, the majority was himself, Justice Alito, Justice Kavanaugh, Justice Thomas. Justice Gorsuch and Justice Amy Coney Barrett, right? Those were the ones in the majority, made us targets for assassination because it gave people a reason to think they could prevent that from happening by killing one of us. Because again, see what the dynamic was. They released the draft, but it was unofficial. The justices still had to make the final vote. They could still change their position, theoretically, if they wanted to. So by releasing it ahead of time and showing the public, hey, these are the five people who are about to take Roe v. Wade away from you, the implicit message is, all right, well, you can still, you still have time to do something about this. And that's why, in fact, well, as Justice Alito goes, goes uh, on to say, we know that a man has been charged with attempting to kill Justice Kavanaugh. Remember the young man that showed up at his at, at his, the justice outside the justice's home in Virginia with all kinds of weapons, and he called the uh, he he called the police on himself and ended up turning himself in and telling what he was about to do. Wow! It, 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 the bottom line is that we still don't know who did this. Still don't know who was responsible for this leak. Um, Sure would be nice to find out. Sure would be nice to find out. All right. Before I answer one of the questions that has come in, let me, uh, let's pray over this, things that we've discussed so far. Lord, we turn to you, and first of all, we pray for these Supreme Court justices, and we pray for, as they undertake the work of a new term now, pray for their continued uh, protection, and we pray for wisdom. Uh, Lord, each of the chairs uh, that these justices sit in is custom-made for their height, for their size. And so we also want to custom customize our prayers for them. Give each one of them the graces that they individually most stand in need of. Lord, for those that are on the right track, continue to strengthen them, protect them, 
Give them a voice. Give them power of persuasion. And for those, Lord, that judge in a way that is contrary to the Constitution, contrary to American values, Lord, we pray for enlightenment for them. We pray that they may reconsider wrong decisions. We pray that indeed they may be given a stronger measure of your wisdom. Lord, we pray for the many state legislators across the country. We thank you that most of them are pro-life, that most of them are lovers of America. And we ask, Lord, that those numbers increase, that those percentages, that those majorities will increase. These are the lawmakers, Lord, even closer to to the people than those on the federal level, more accessible to the people than those on the federal level. And we ask you, Lord, that as they run for election, as they carry out their work as elected lawmakers, as they listen to what we the people say to them when we lobby them, as they consider policies and bills and laws that they can vote for, that you give them again a great measure of wisdom and strength. So many of them, Lord, are your followers, your disciples. We acknowledge that faith. We ask you to strengthen them in it. And we ask that they may carry out their work as the founders intended. We pray in the name of Jesus the Lord. Amen. So one of the questions that came in, I like this question very much, aren't we going to get into legal trouble if we put voting information in the bulletins in our churches? No. The answer is no. Not going to get into legal trouble. If you tell the people the information they need to make a voting decision. I always say to pastors, informing the people about elections, whether you're informing them, for example, of the dates uh, when the, for example, when the uh, voter registration deadlines pass or when the early voting begins or remind them that November 8th is election day, or you go further and you inform them of the positions of the candidates on various issues, not going to get into any legal trouble for that. And I don't think what most pastors are calling uh, legal trouble is really what they're afraid of. You know what they're afraid of? Political trouble. Some big donor to their congregation is a lifelong Democrat and says, how come you put this information here in this church bulletin saying that, uh, you know, my opponent is in favor of pro-life and I'm in favor of pro-choice and, you know, that's... And you know why you know why they would get mad at a church doing that? Because they know how to count. They know full well that the members of the church are more likely to vote pro-life. So they're not afraid of legal trouble. Come on. Afraid of political trouble. Afraid of complaints. Afraid of influential people in the church getting mad at them. You know what? If you can't deal with somebody in your church congregation getting mad at you, you really shouldn't be a pastor. You're, you're in the wrong, you're really in the wrong job. That, that, that's not a good idea to put yourself in that position. Because you know what? No matter what you do, somebody's going to get mad at you. No matter what you do. How in the world can you be, you can't be walking on eggshells every day. How are you going to do your job? 
How are you going to preach the gospel? How are you going to equip your people to make a change in the world? I always tell pastors that when you're doing something like voter registration or giving people this basic information or even informing them of the positions of the candidates, that's not a political task. That's a pastoral task. What do I mean? Well, you're a pastor. You're trying to equip the people of God to live their faith. And part of our faith is that the Lord wants us to make a difference in the world. One of the ways we make a difference in the world, to turn the world to a better place, is by voting. And therefore, if I'm given through the church more information on how to make my vote count in advancing the kingdom of God and the values we believe in, that's a pastoral activity to equip the people of God to do that, to remind the people of God that they have an opportunity to put into effect the great commission of Jesus to teach the nations to observe everything, carry out everything I have commanded you. It's a pastoral activity, not primarily a political activity. Don't worry about legal trouble. The law says you can't intervene in a political race, but it doesn't define what that means. Informing people of the positions of the candidates, is a there's an S at the end of that. You're not informing them just of the position of one candidate. You're informing them of the position of the candidates. Doesn't that leave them free then to make their own decision? If, they, if they're in favor of one versus the other, how are you intervening when you're giving information about both? And you just want to inform people. No law against that. So let's pray once again. Father, we uh, thank you for the churches. We thank you for the pastors. And Lord, we know there's a lot of, a lot of fear out there among the pastors. There's a lot of cowardice. There's a lot of unwillingness to talk about elections, to talk about voting, to talk about the candidates, to register voters, to get people to the polls, to give out voter guides. It's a lot of unwillingness, a lot of fear. Tonight, we as the body of Christ, concerned for America, praying for America, aware of the importance of these elections tonight, at this moment, we as the body of Christ, lift up those pastors to you. We lift up to you right now, Lord God, the fears that are in their hearts, and we ask them to burn those fears away by the power of your Spirit. Right now, Lord God, burn those fears, those doubts, burn them away by the convicting power of your Spirit and help these pastors to know that they have your backing, Lord God, that they are under the shadow of your protection, even as we read at the beginning of this show, how you triumph over the enemies of your people, how you manifest your power throughout history. So manifest your power in the lives of these pastors that they may stand up and say, I have been commissioned, I have been ordained, I have been called to proclaim the gospel, to equip my people, to change the world. I must not be afraid anymore. It's time for my people to vote. How am I shepherding them? Awaken your people, Lord. Awaken your pastors. And may this election also be a manifestation of your faithfulness. Your faithfulness to your people, Lord God, who work hard to advance your kingdom. Your faithfulness to America, Lord God, as voters rise up, cast off modern forms of, of tyranny, and make the decisions 
that will make and keep this nation great. We ask all this in the name of the one Lord, the one Savior, the author of life, the conqueror of death, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Okay, friends, let's keep in touch. Follow me on social media. I'm at FR Frank Pavone. It's Truth Social. Hope you have your account. By the way, a number of uh, additional Trump rallies have been announced uh, for November 3rd, 5th, 6th, and 7th. Make sure to mark on your calendars to watch President Trump's rallies. Those nights, those nights he's going back to Ohio. He's going to Pennsylvania. He's coming here to, to Florida. We'll be talking in more detail about those upcoming rallies. And, of course, you'll be able to watch them here on Right Side Broadcasting, if that's where you're watching me now, or on my own website, PresidentTrumpRallies.com. And as he always tells us in these rallies, let me remind you once again, we are part of the greatest political movement in American history And this country doesn't belong to the radical left, the woke left. It belongs to you. Have confidence. Know that we kneel only to God, not to anyone else. And that the best days of our nation are indeed yet to come. What a joy to be with you. God bless you. Father Frank Pavone here of Priest for Life. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.